What's up, fanboys and fangirls? Tony Mango here, wishing you a happy Valentine's Day. We are going to do something a little bit different here for fanboysanonymous.com. It's going to be a brand new segment, which I'm actually not sure how we're going to do it, <laughs> oddly enough. I am going to be calling this the Movie Reel Rundown, and what it could essentially be in the future, depending on how I might change it up here and there. I mean, it's kind of a fluid concept. Maybe it'll go one way, maybe it'll go another way. It is just a different way of going about doing a podcast instead of doing a group meeting instead of doing a review point or a fan tracks or whatever like that i wanted to sort of bring something more of a list environment into the mix and with this edition it's going to be something that is going to be movie recommendations but in the future it might be ranking films from best to worst or worst to best depending on what the scenario is or it might just be a discussion about a group of different movies together but essentially, the main core concept I wanted to go by with the movie Real Rundown is to look at one genre or one subject matter, which would be the movie Real concept, and in the process, take everything that fits into that scope and break it down in whatever that particular subject is going to be. So, for instance, maybe we do an episode of the future of X-Men films. And we go through all the different X-Men movies, whether or not they're the actual X-Men films or they are the spinoffs like the Wolverine or the Deadpool film or Logan or whatever. Maybe we do an edition where we're only talking about, say, Robin Williams movies and we just talk about all Robin Williams. It's essentially kind of a mixture of a review point as well as the old movie club that we used to do, which that will come back in the future. It's on hiatus for a while until we reach a point where we can kind of bring that back into the mix. So for this inaugural edition, I was trying to think of something to do with Valentine's Day. I wanted to kind of maybe do a group meeting where we were talking about the most romantic characters in film or maybe like the steamiest sex scenes or something like that. And then I started to just write up a list of romance films. And that got me thinking. What are the best romance films to watch for Valentine's Day? Now, everybody has their own opinions about some different things, so I gotta preface this in a lot of different ways. Number one, you might have completely different tastes than I do, and that, of course, is going to be completely subjective, so I cannot tell you what your kinks are and whatever uh, you're going to be into, and you might be looking for something different, too. Maybe your idea of a Valentine's Day movie is very romantic and maybe your idea is something a little sexier maybe you want something that if you're you know you're in a relationship you want to do something that's life affirming and it really kind of boosts your relationship maybe you're unfortunately single at the time and you want to watch something that you can just cry it can be a wide variety of stuff and i also have to preface this by saying there are going to be many so-called classics that i've still yet to see and aren't included on this list, partially because I have no interest in them, and partially because I just haven't gotten around to them yet, as there's other things on my list that just take priority. I mean, if you tell me that I can choose to dedicate my time to a new Star Wars movie or something like Notting Hill, well, I'm sorry, Hugh Grant and Julia Roberts, you lost that battle. It's just pretty self-explanatory, clear-cut. I'm not going to pick the the Julia Roberts film. And actually, almost all of Julia Roberts' movies that are on this list, I've missed out on. I've looked at a bunch of different lists online of different people's ideas of what their favorite top 10, top 100, whatever, romance films are. And I haven't seen a good portion of them. So I can't attest to the quality or lack thereof when it comes to something like Pretty Woman. 
And that's one of the most iconic films that I'm sure so many people would have wondered why it wasn't on this list had I not just addressed it right here. But this is going to include things like Moulin Rouge, He's Just Not That Into You, Annie Hall. There's a wide, wide variety of these. And eventually in the future, maybe I'll get around to seeing them. And then if I do, maybe I'll do some kind of a follow-up on the comments or just a separate video. But it could be something that really gives a go-ahead. You know, you really should watch it. It's great. Or it could be something that you should skip and it's overrated. I don't really know. If you know, leave your comments below. Tell us what you think about these different movies that weren't included on the list or the ones that I do end up including on this list because I'm going to be talking about three different categories. Number one is going to be a list of films that I do recommend. Another category is going to be kind of in the middle, like, meh, you know, not really that great and whatever. And the third one's going to be skip these movies. That one is just a list of things that are overrated, trash, or maybe just something that I wasn't really all that keen on. So I mentioned before about the idea that these are subjective things and that you could have a completely different opinion and you can be looking for something else. And I need to backtrack a little bit and talk about that again. There's a lot of uh, pre-list work to get down into this. You know, a lot of people are going to be passionate about their choices for this kind of stuff. A lot of people, this is their favorite genre, so if they click on this video and they're like, who's this fucking comic book guy uh, talking about, that could be your opinion. So I, I do want to really hit that home really far at the beginning of this. Really hard, I mean, not really far. That doesn't make any sense. Uh, I, something that I, I need to address that's kind of an entire sub-genre is that... The movies I mention are not going to be for the type of people who subscribe to the mentality that Lifetime films are the way to go for entertainment. If you want to see Hallmark movies, where they copy and paste the same script about a woman in her late 20s who leaves an office job in the big city at a magazine, or has a fashion line, or is a marketing executive, or whatever, she goes to the country where she meets a 35-year-old handsome bachelor who happens to have a lovable scamp of a daughter, and the mother died a few years ago, but our protagonist teaches him how to love again, and how to trust another woman, now that he can get finally over the fact that his wife had died, and the kid loves the the new protagonist, and then she decides that she wants to move to the country to be with him in this quaint little town where everyone smiles 24-7, then by all means, go check out the next 50 movies on those two channels named... The Christmas Castle and Summer of Blueberry Farms and all that other kind of shit. And by the way, side note, if you do watch those, pay attention to the music. It never stops throughout the entire film. There's literally always something playing in the background in every single scene. Kind of like elevator music that they pump in to keep everybody calm or something. It's very, very strange. I just never understood that. But if that's the type of stuff that you like, you're probably going to disagree with me about this entire list. So if you have a completely conflicting opinion about that, try to keep it civil in the comments. <laughs> anyway, no, this is not that type of a list. This is for the people who maybe don't like things that are too overly saccharine. The moviegoers who appreciate a good romance but don't want things to be too schmaltzy or sickeningly sentimental just for the sake of tugging at heartstrings, which means some of these movies can be bittersweet. Some of them might not even be considered a true romance film, actually, if you think about it. And I'm not going to say that the Terminator goes on this list because there just happens to be a romance between Kyle Reese and Sarah Connor, but I've at least opened it up a tiny bit of room for flexibility. You'll see what I mean when I start talking about my list. So one that I want to mention 
that is a classic that I actually can sign off and say I enjoyed quite a bit is When Harry Met Sally. That is a movie that I went into getting not too much of a, a thrill of the idea of watching it. I, there was a website called Ginny, J-I-N-N-I, that used to do movie recommendations. And if you plugged in your rating for a movie from like 0 to 10 or whatever their scale was, after a while it would start recommending movies to you based off of what you like and what you dislike. And somehow I had gotten to a point where it started recommending a lot of romance films. So actually a good portion of these are ones that I watched specifically because it was recommended to me through that website. So hats off to those people over there for building, building, for building that engine that ended up prompting me to watch some of these movies. A lot of the movies I watched weren't really all that great, but some of them I never would have watched unless it was recommended to me. So When Harry Met Sally was one of those. I had always heard about it. You know, everybody knows the orgasm scene in the, the deli. I just never really wanted to see it. I watched it. Kind of a bittersweet sort of a movie, but it ends up getting a little bit happier in the end and all that. And I thought that it was actually a refreshing change of pace when it comes to some of these films. Because a lot of it, you would see how everything's going and you know how it's going to end. And then it's just sort of like, all right, well, can we just get to the end credits kind of a thing? This took a little bit of some like some side turns. And I was just like, oh, okay, we're we're doing that now. Okay, that's a little bit different. It's not going to be one of those movies I would recommend to everybody, but nothing on this list is. That's something, though, I think could be a good starting point. If you like When Harry Met Sally and you didn't think that that was a little bit too dark, then you might like some of the other ones on this list. One of those, another one that actually probably even more people like is Love Actually. That is one that I was really taken aback by because that seemed like it was going to be a typical Hallmark type of a movie and I would just kind of be like groaning and want to skip to the end and all that other kind of stuff. And I actually enjoyed it quite a bit. I recently got it into my collection to rewatch again. And I was going to watch it over the Christmas break because it's also a Christmas movie. And I just kind of didn't get around to it. So now maybe over the next couple of days or so, maybe I'll watch it for a Valentine's day type of a thing. I'm actually recording this on the 10th to get this up a little bit earlier than Valentine's day, maybe on like Monday or so. And, um, you know, I got a little bit of time to sort of kind of sort these things out a little bit. So maybe I'm going to revisit that because that is a movie that I think needs revisiting. It's not a romance film in the way that I would really say is kind of what's a what's a nice way to say dumb. <laughs> a lot of these movies, I'll put it this way, a lot of romance films are very similar to a lot of comedies or a lot of action films or a lot of horror movies where anything that can fit into a genre that can be made easy, a lot of the times filmmakers make easy movies and they're just not good because they reach a point where they go, let's hit these tropes and then let's just push it out of the way. Let's just have a horror film where these generic hot teenagers are having sex throughout the whole movie. And then we reach the three quarter mark and a faceless serial killer starts slashing them all up. That kind of a thing. I don't like that for horror movies. I don't like the generic, you shoot at a car and it explodes. And then the explosion explodes a bunch of other things for action films. I don't like the 
romance films that fall into the same category. And I don't like the comedies that are just like, uh oh, fat guy slipped and fell. Isn't that funny? And then he farted. Ha ha. Romance movies can fit the same bill where they end up just going, let's have the two people have their meet cute and then they start getting together. And then three quarters of the way through the movie, the bitchy girlfriend that's been getting in the way of our protagonist and our love interest or the douchebag boyfriend who's you know kind of like wedding crashers where it's sort of like no i don't think that wedding crashers is a bad movie by the way it's just this is an example of it you've got your rachel mcadams and you got your own wilson but you also have bradley cooper who exists purely just to be the foil and he's a douchebag and you hate him and you know she's not going to end up with him so he reaches a point where he ends up pushing them into an argument. They split up, then they get back together at the end, and all thing is, you know, it's all happy and whatever. If you follow that pattern, a lot of the times I think it's boring, and I just don't really fall into it. Love Actually has multiple stories, and it's one of those movies that sometimes it doesn't really work out all that great, and sometimes it's a simpler story. And I liked that quite a bit. And that's something that I think is why I have to recommend a movie, actually two movies. You can kind of group these together, but maybe it's more so just the one where I know it's not good. <laughs> I know it's not a good movie, but Valentine's Day. Seems like it's a pretty straightforward thing to go with for Valentine's Day recommendations, right? Valentine's Day is not a good movie. Neither is New Year's Eve, but... There's a value to it that I liked quite a bit, which was the multiple stories and how it wasn't played out the same exact way I would have expected it to be. I cannot recommend them if you're looking for the gripping tale of something like a The English Patient or whatever. I don't know if that's good or not. That's been on my list of movies to watch for God knows how many years, probably since I was watching Seinfeld and they recommended it and they said that it was too boring and shit. I have never been able to get around to seeing it. I got a feeling by now I probably won't. And uh, I don't know if maybe that's one of those things where it's like, oh my God, it's so romantic and you get swept up in it so much. Valentine's Day is not that kind of a thing. New Year's Eve is pretty much a copy and paste of Valentine's Day, but there's a certain quirkiness to it that I liked quite a bit. So I would recommend that to people that want something a little bit more on the sweeter side and kind of like Love Actually, they follow the multiple storyline arc and that is something that if you like Love Actually, check out Valentine's Day. You might not like it as much, but in the reverse, if you like Valentine's Day, check out Love Actually. More than likely, you're going to like that a lot better. Then there's 500 Days of Summer. This was actually the first movie that I watched that was recommended to me from the Ginny website. And I thought it was fantastic. I haven't watched it since. I watched it twice in a row. I uh, was, uh, let's put the cards on the table. I was pretty depressed at the time when I was watching all these movies. I watched, I think it was something like 308 movies that year. I watched almost a movie a day. Plus I watched multiple series. Like I went through the whole thing of Freaks and Geeks and I went through the whole thing of Undergrads, I think was the name of it, or Undeclared. I think that was the one with uh, Jay Baruchel. It was one of those things where I used movies as an escape. It kind of, I've always really done that, but that's what movies are for. They're escapism. And 500 Days of Summer, starting it off with something that's a bittersweet thing about love just not working out all that well and whatever, 
you would think being in a sort of down mood that I would have just rejected this all, said, fuck it, this this website's giving me movies that are going to make me depressed and stuff, and it didn't. It actually kind of made me feel a little bit better about some stuff. So if you are in that bitter kind of love sucks and I don't want to admit that maybe I want love kind of a thing, 500 Days of Summer could be something that you should check out. I would recommend it to people that like those kind of 50-50 type of movies where, say, something along the lines of Oh, uh, I, I I don't want to go straight into the next one, but maybe I will. Uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. That is a movie that is much, much darker than what a lot of people are going to be looking for when it comes to romance films. I'll admit that. But it has its sweet moments, and it does paint a portrait of relationships that's completely different from some of the other things on this list. Relationships are hard. You know, it's not all farting out rainbows. Sometimes it just doesn't work out. Sometimes it's not an issue of, you know, you've got some Disney kind of a thing where there's a princess and she's beautiful and she meets a beautiful prince and they just fall in love because they're two beautiful people and that's how the world should work. No, there's people out there that suffer from mental issues and anxiety issues and bipolar disorders, and a lot of different things that can get in the way of a functional relationship. And Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, and in a way, some uh, 500 Days of Summer, are two movies that kind of look at things through that sieve. What if a relationship doesn't have all the elements of a fantasy? And those are some therapeutic type of movies that maybe, if you're in a bad spot, maybe it'll get you out of it. Maybe it'll unfortunately make it feel worse. I don't know. That kind of is up to you to to make that call. But I would recommend it to certain people if they've got the stomach for something that might give them a couple punches to the gut a little bit. But maybe that's going to make them feel alive. You know what I mean? It's a little dramatic, but why not? Titanic is another one I would throw out there that's a little bit on the more bombastic route. We know everything about Titanic by now. I do not need to explain to you what Titanic is. If you have not seen the, what, third highest grossing film of all time, you know the memes, you know, you know, it's the type of thing where I mentioned Star Wars earlier. You might not have ever seen Star Wars before, but you know Darth Vader, you know the whole I'm your father thing. You know with Titanic, it is about the boat, and you know it's Jack, and he doesn't let go, and all that kind of stuff. Even though he does let go, it's kind of weird. That's an iconic thing. I never loved the movie as much as most people did back in the day, and I've not watched it in, ooh, God, this is 2017. When did that come out? That came out, like, the mid-90s or so, I think. Maybe like 95, I want to say. I probably haven't seen it since maybe like 99. I think I might have watched it around then. And I haven't really had the urge to watch it. But I remember thinking that it was pretty decent. And that it was something that maybe if I got the itch, I would just pop that in if I fucking owned it. But I don't own it. Maybe I'll just Netflix it or something like that. And give it another go. You know, the effects hold up pretty decently from what I've seen in just clips here and there. And the story is a little bit sentimental, but that song is fucking great. I don't care who you are, that Celine Dion song is amazing. 
the only song in any kind of romantic context that's from a movie that I think is better than that is A Whole New World. Aladdin is my favorite out of all of the Disney films, and that song is a 5 out of 5, a 10 out of 10, 100 on a 100 scale, whatever you want to do it. That song from Aladdin is so fucking great. And Titanic's My Heart Will Go On, you know, if the whole new world is a 10 out of a 10, my heart will go on is a 9.8 out of 10. It's so fucking good. We people make fun of it all the time, but you sit yourself in a bubble and you listen to that song. Beautiful song. Absolutely beautiful. I want to bring up something though, that a lot of people don't really like meet Joe black. This is a movie that is a little bit, more on the drama side than a romance, but it's a romantic drama, I would say. The heart and soul of the movie is love. You've got, and I'm going to dip into some spoilers here, so if you haven't seen it yet and you don't want to know anything about it, then just kind of skip forward a little bit until you see the next thing on the image here where, you know, it'll pop up with probably Garden State is what I'll talk about next. And uh, if you have seen the movie and maybe you don't want to revisit it again you can skip it but at the same time if you might want to look at it through a different perspective then listen up to what i'm about to say meet joe black is a movie that i wanted to see because it looked interesting that there was going to be a character of death i didn't know it was a romance i didn't know that it boiled down to death falling in love with someone who was the daughter of the guy that he was shadowing and that basically it had familial love and romantic love and a kind of father-son love that they have going on with uh, Brad Pitt and Anthony Hopkins in a kind of weird sort of way because it's death and death is like, you know, not obviously younger than what Anthony Hopkins is. I really, really love this movie. I own that. I... Actually, out of all the movies that we've uh, talked about so far, that's the only one that I own. And I've watched it maybe like eight times now. The soundtrack is phenomenal on it. I can't remember who does it. I think it's Thomas Newman, and he just knocks it out of the park. Cold Lamb Sandwich is something that I've been wanting to try ever since I've uh, seen this movie. I haven't gotten around to it, mostly because I'm not going to buy lamb just to have it cold and stuff. And... There are so many aspects to it that I think are so underrated, and I don't understand why this gets crapped on and people say, like, oh, this is a shit film and whatever. I can understand not being into seeing the movie, and it might turn you off a little bit where you might go, like, well, I don't know if I really want to check that out. If maybe you're especially more on the side where you want to watch action movies and stuff, then you you might not like it. But I think this is that type of bittersweet, darker kind of film that goes under the radar and people for some reason just don't mention it in any kind of positive light. And I think that they should, I would give this movie not a 10 out of 10. It's not absolutely perfect. And there's some weird choices here and there. I think that Claire Forlani maybe could have been recast and it would have been a little bit better. And maybe some of the other characters can kind of have a little bit different dialogue or whatever, but it's a very underrated film. I think now spoilers and stuff when it comes to the end this is something that i i i said before if you don't know what's happening or whatever it ends in a way that is satisfying yet 
very sad because there's death and there's also kind of a rebirth. And that's the type of thing that I would like to see in a lot more movies where it's like, you know, you're not getting this A to B to C to D gives us to E and we eventually get to Z and we know exactly where we're going without getting some bumps in the road. Maybe this is a type of movie where you go from A to Q and then you got to go around in a loop and you skip a couple elements and you, you get to Z eventually, but you you never hit Y and that kind of a stuff. Y meaning the letter Y, not W-H-Y. You never hit whom either. <laughs> so I think that this is the type of thing I would recommend to people that can stomach that type of an ending where it's not that every single person is the happiest of spirits, but it also gives you some hope for the future. And it also tells you that things can be okay. That kind of a thing. Similar to garden state in a way, garden state is a movie that I went to see purely because I really like Natalie Portman had a huge crush on her back in the day. Of course, I still, you know, think she's gorgeous, but, and the movie trailers had that song, let go by Frau Frau. I think it's Frau Frau or is it Fru Fru? I'm actually not sure now that I think about it, but, that cut to that trailer made me go, fuck it. All right. I like this trailer. I'm going to go see this movie. Went to see it, bought it, love it. It's very depressing in some ways because it's all about just the struggles of mental illness and how do you deal with depression by not letting it kind of eat you up from the inside, but also not just kind of falling victim to what a lot of different people say to you. A lot of people are just kind of like, well, get over it. Or, you know, well, you just need to, you know, get out there more often or a lot of other things that come with social anxiety and with just overall, you know, the world is closing in on me and it's a dark cloud above me, like that kind of mentality. I like the idea that this movie sort of paints the portrait of if you've got a support system, it might not be the best in the world, but it's going to get you there. And I could see myself a little bit in the Andrew Largeman role. And I, you know, my quote unquote ideal type of girl has some of the same qualities of Natalie Portman's character in there. Not nuts, but <laughs> done with that before. And I think that that's another one of those movies where it's sort of like, it's not, you know, when people get a movie that has somebody is sick and then at the end, they get cured, and then everybody lives happily ever after. This is a thing where it's like, you know what? Yeah, uh, not everything's just going to wrap itself up in a neat little bow, but you can still be happy. That's actually a, a running theme of a lot of the movies that are on my list, and the same thing kind of applies to The Time Traveler's Wife. Very, very close to making me cry. I've only cried at three movies in my entire life, and one episode of a TV show. Oddly enough, if you do not know this, I'll break it down real quick. John Q was the first movie that ever made me cry. Then Click, which Click has some romantic elements to it, but I wouldn't say to really watch it. And then uh, the one movie that made me bawl my fucking eyes out was I Am Legend. I do not like seeing dogs get hurt on screen. It's why I don't watch Marley and Me. It's why I'm not going to watch A Dog's Purpose. Fuck that. No. So... The fourth movie that really came real close to making me cry was The Time Traveler's Wife. And if you want to know about the TV show, it was the episode of Futurama where Fry talks to his mom one more time. 
my dad was going through a whole like you know he ended up passing away and all that and it was a, like right around that time frame so that really just fucking killed me but <laughs> time traveler's wife i don't remember what exactly scene made me want to you know finally crack that little tear duct and start officially counting it as uh, as a cry but my eyes were watery as hell for this movie it's sad but it's different. I mean, you've got a guy who literally travels through time and the romance is told in a way that I've never seen another romance told before. You've got an older Eric Bana with a young girl that he knows that he marries in 20 years and stuff. And it's like, it kind of makes you think about some different things. Of course, we don't have time travel the way that the movie presents it or anything like that, but what would you do in that situation? And it's just a weird, weird movie. I don't really know who it was marketed towards. Like, this is the type of movie for this type of an audience. But it it got me. And if I'm a cynical fuck a lot of the times and I like some weird things, I think that that's kind of interesting that it was able to pull that off. So I, t- hats off to these guys for being able to pull that off. And uh, I think that that's another movie that kind of went under the radar and nobody really talked about it. And I'm sure people shit all over it too, because a lot of these movies, people are just kind of like, ah, they're crap, whatever. I think that that was something that was pretty special. Another movie on my list that was something that was recommended to me from Ginny was Timer. And if we're talking about weird movies with the whole idea of the time traveler's wife being something that's like framing it inside the context of the ability to time travel and how does love withstand that, Timer is another sort of fantasy kind of element. If the story is completely foreign to you, I'll give you a quick breakdown here. Timer is about this future, I'm assuming. Maybe it's supposed to be the present day. I don't really know. Where people have these little bracelets and you go through a process where they put you in the system and you have a little clock on there. The clock tells you when you're going to meet the love of your life. It, the success record is something like, or the success rate, I should say, is like infallible. And there's some people who, oddly enough, when they get the tracker put in, they don't have any timer on there. That's just, you're not going to meet the person that you fell, you're going to fall in love with. Or you already met them and destiny went a different route. And it's a weird, like, uh, 1984 meets sort of like predestination kind of story, but it's a good predestination because all it is is telling you that when you're going to meet the person that you love, but then people are meeting people in the movie through weird ways. Like, you know, their timer is about to go off in 30 seconds and they are looking around a big group of people. And it's like they, somebody bumps into them that they weren't looking at. And that's the person that they fall in love with that kind of a thing. But there's a depressing element to it because it's sort of like, well, what happens if you're one of these people who they're not going to meet anybody? Then you just know the whole rest of your life you're never going to be with somebody. And it's a very, very interesting concept. That's a movie that I really, really want to revisit in the future because I think that even though it's been a couple of years since I've seen it, my whole perspective might have changed. And I don't know, maybe that'll make me cry now instead. <laughs> Continuing on with the whole thread of weirder movies that bring a fantastical element to it. There's City of Angels. Now, there's going to be no other really positive Meg Ryan stories in this. 
There's going to be one I'm going to mention in my honorable mentions and one I mention in my steer clear of. But City of Angels, oddly enough, the Nicolas Cage movie was the best one out of the Meg Ryan films that I had binge-watched other than When Harry Met Sally. I already mentioned that earlier, though, so we don't need to backtrack on that, but this was a movie that I was surprised about. You know, I watched this roughly around the same time that as I watched The Doctor, I think is what the same was, with, uh, uh, what was his name? Not John Hurt. It was uh, William Hurt, I think. And I hated that movie. I thought it was crap. And it was just like, you know what? I guess I'll watch this other movie about a doctor falling in love. And then it was like, oh, okay, we're actually getting angels. And we're getting this whole story of coming back and being, you know, a, a human in a different time zone, a different time period than what you would be used to and kind of getting used to that and all that. Again, has some bittersweet elements to it. Not going to really spoil exactly what all that means. But when you're dealing with life and death matters and you're dealing with angels and trying to compensate for not being human, but loving a human and whatever gets into some, some interesting topics here. That is a movie that I think would fly under the radar, not in the nineties when it came around, but nowadays people wouldn't really bring up city of angels all that much. Although the song, maybe the song is going to be something, you know, Iris, great song by Google Goo dolls. I'm getting a lot of music talk on this. I wasn't expecting that. And the last movie that I want to mention when it comes to the weirder films is Wrist Cutters, A Love Story. Again, another one recommended to me by Ginny. Another one that I was hesitant to try out and I ended up enjoying quite a bit. I put it rather high up on my list and I haven't revisited that either. But one of these days, I'm going to go through this binge watch. I'm going to watch Timer, Time Traveler's Wife, City of Angels, and Wrist Cutters again just to go through them and maybe 500 Days of Summer too and see what my perspective has changed because these were sort of depressing movies and they didn't necessarily pinpoint the same romantic parts that I would have seen from all the other movies that I would mention on the the steer clear of and the you know copy and paste format type of a thing. So Wrist Cutter is a love story. If you don't know what that is, it's essentially a love story about people who have killed themselves. And I mean, that's what the wrist cutters are. They, you know, they cut their wrists, they kill themselves, they die, they go into this purgatory type of a thing. And love somehow exists in purgatory. So it's a little bit weird. I'm going to leave it at that. Just something, chew on that. See if that's something that you might be interested in. Maybe check out a trailer or two. See if uh, that piques some interest. I actually, yeah, I this one isn't a weird one, but this is another sad kind of one. That's uh, Love and Other Drugs. Liked it quite a bit. You've got Anne Hathaway, gorgeous, gorgeous woman, fantastic actress. Jake Gyllenhaal, fantastic fucking actor. Hell of a good looking guy, too, if I <laughs> should say so myself. Very good chemistry between those two. It's another story about dealing with mental illness when it comes to romance and how you can kind of let love conquer that, but not let love just be sort of one of those grand sweeping motions where you're like, love fixes everything. It doesn't necessarily, there's going to be struggles and stuff. And that's something that is somewhat also based on a true story. So that's another element that's a little bit different to the mix. I have two more things to talk about though. I wanted to uh, kind of start getting into my, like my negatives and stuff. So I'm going to be a little bit quicker on these two more movies. Although one of them is a short film and one of them is something that we actually talked about on the movie review section of uh, the movie club before in the past. It's 10 Things I Hate About You. 
go back and check out 10 Things I Hate About You reviewed by us on this channel. You'll hear some positive things about that. I was very shocked about how much I liked that movie. It's a comedy and a romance, but it's a little bit more of a comedy. It's based off of some Shakespeare elements, and that's something that is different from a lot of these other movies. I mean, we've got a wide range here. We've got, you know, Love Actually, the story of a lot of British love, multiple angles. You've got Titanic, where it's this blockbuster film. You've got time travel and weird technology and angels and death and prescription medicine and whatever like that. And then 10 Things I Hate About You is just kind of like, isn't high school hard? But what if it was through this Shakespeare story and we put it through that filter and whatever? And it's got a fucking fantastic cast to it. A lot of great moments in there that have actually transcended into pop culture in a little bit. Great performance by Heath Ledger as a surprisingly charming character way before he got to the whole Brokeback Mountain and uh, Dark Knight kind of stuff that ended his career, unfortunately, a little bit too early than what really should have ended up uh, being the case. That's something, though, I got a feeling a lot of people probably wouldn't like. It's sort of, uh, I wouldn't want to say like kitschy, but like, I can understand why somebody wouldn't like it. Let me put it that way. I think it was great. Might disagree with me. I don't know. The very last thing I want to mention is that short film, Paper Man by John Cars. This was before Wreck-It Ralph, and I liked it better than Wreck-It Ralph. It's a very, very short thing. I think it's like three minutes long or so. And essentially, it's just a story about a guy with a paper airplane. But it's a really just tight, and uh, it doesn't really need anything more than what it is and it packs a punch i loved it you know my girlfriend at the time when we're watching this wreck it ralph thing not even realizing that we're going to get this little short film beforehand and i turned to her at the time and i was just like i'm happy if we fucking leave now like i just spent 30 bucks on movie tickets to see this wreck it ralph film because i thought that it would be interesting to see sonic the hedgehog and stuff pop up in this and i think i got my money's worth with the 30 bucks of just watching this little short film so i really, really recommend if you are on the fence about what I would like with these different topics and you want to get a really short, compact version of my type of favorite romance films, watch Paper Man. And if you like Paper Man, start watching some of these other movies. You might be on the same path that I am. Unfortunately, I have some movies that I don't really want to give full-on recommendations for but they're kind of lingering in my my brain as things that I remember kind of liking, but maybe not loving. Ghost is one of them. You've Got Mail is one. That's another Meg Ryan, but it's I didn't really love it as much as I wanted to. The Holiday was a surprise. I liked that a lot more than I thought that I would. But I watched it, I think, the same exact day as Love Actually. And Love Actually blew it out of the water a little bit, so... Maybe that was just more so a case where if I would have watched one before the other one or something like that, it would have been a different story. Or maybe if I would watch The Holiday two weeks later or whatever, I don't know. I don't remember if I loved it, loved it, or if I just thought that it was a, a decent movie. Adam is another one. It's just Adam. That one is, I think Rose Byrne was in that one. And um, he's blank, I'm blanking on his name. He was in Hannibal recently. Uh, I want to say Patrick Fugit, but I know that that's not fucking true. Uh, let me Google that real quick while I'm at it. It was 
I should have just edited this out, shouldn't I? Hugh Dancy was his name, and it was Rose Byrne. Yeah, that's a movie from 2009, but that's he's got Asperger's, and it's you know one of those kind of things where it's, again, similar to some of the other things that I've been talking about, where it's love through the filter of dealing with somebody with emotional issues. Amelie? I don't really like foreign films a lot. I think a lot of foreign films get too much recognition from people that like them because they're foreign films. And I don't want to ever subscribe to that, but I also don't want to be the type of person that goes, I got to fucking read subtitles. This sucks. Cause that's not the case. But Amelie, I remember thinking that it was pretty decent. Although other people had told me this is like my favorite movie of the year. And I love this. And that, and I remember telling them, no, it wasn't that fucking great. And the last one that was on my list for the honorable mentions was happy. Thank you more, please. More so than anything, though, if you like Happy Thank You More, please, watch How I Met Your Mother. That's far superior. It's got the same main protagonist, Josh Radner. He does a much better job in How I Met Your Mother. And it was sort of like the the poor man's How I Met Your Mother. I didn't really love it. I thought that I was going to get more quality out of it than I did, but I remember thinking that it had some decent elements to it that I appreciated quite a bit. So I would put that on my honorable mention. Only watch after you've seen all the other kind of ones. In fact, even I would even go so far as to maybe even take it out of the honorable mentions because out of all the ones that I did mention, Ghost, You've Got Me All, The Holiday, Aunt Adam and Amelie, those ones I do remember liking more than Happy Thank You More, Please. Plus the title kind of bugs me. I don't know. It's just one of those stupid little things. Now, here's where we get to the negatives. I have seen some of these movies, and I really just... If you like the movies that I have mentioned, you're not going to like these. Or actually, you know, some of them maybe you will. I don't know. Sleepless in Seattle is overrated as all hell in my mind. I watched that movie at about the same time that I watched the uh, You've Got Mail and a couple of the other ones, and I just did not enjoy it. I don't know what it was about it that I didn't like. If it was something with like, um, like the script itself or the little kid, maybe he was a bad part of it. I don't know, but Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks have chemistry together, so it wasn't that. Maybe it was like, if I remember correctly, maybe Tom Hanks was like a dick and I didn't really like his character, so I didn't want him to win in the end or something. I don't remember, but I remember thinking going into the movie that this is a classic that everybody loves. And midway through, I'm like, you know, I'm not really loving this movie all that much. And then by the end of it, I was really disappointed. The Notebook. Ooh, I'm going to piss off some people here. (laughs) It's a movie that I thought was okay. I watched it, kind of put it out of my memory, said, I'm glad that I saw it. You know, everybody's making a big fuss over it. It's fine. But as more time goes by, the more I hate it. It pisses me off. I mean, and I like these movies that are sometimes a little bit depressing. And this, to me, felt like it was just needlessly depressing. I didn't like Rose, and that Rose McGowan, uh, did I say Rose McGowan earlier with Wedding, Wedding Crashers, by the way, when I meant to say um, Rachel McAdams? Did I say Rose McGowan? If I did, blasphemy, because Rachel McAdams is so much better than Rose McGowan. 
Uh, big fan of Rachel McAdams. And that's actually one of the reasons why I watched The Notebook. I was just like, you know, Rachel McAdams is super cute. She's fantastic in Mean Girls. She's been good in some other things. I'll watch a romance with her. Ryan Gosling's not bad either. And I hated both their characters. They were fucking assholes. So when they were arguing with each other and they don't seem like they should be a good couple and they just continue to sort of get back together here and there, I'm rooting for James Marsden in the movie and I'm not supposed to and they're arguing and I'm looking at them as like codependent, abusive couple almost. That's not how I I really was expecting that movie to go. And Nicholas Sparks in general just must not be my cup of tea. People seem to think fondly of A Walk to Remember with Mandy Moore and uh, a guy who was popular for like a minute and then he did League of Extraordinary Gentlemen and sort of faded into obscurity. What was his name? Blanking on names here. I don't know. Chain something. Chain. Chain Campbell or whatever. I don't know. Uh, All I've heard about the other ones, I mean, I haven't seen A Walk to Remember, but didn't seem like it was something that I really would have liked. Everything else that's been churned out over the past couple of years seems like it is either garbage or it at least plays to the lowest common denominator where it's got a gimmick of love is depressing and it tries too hard to be like, see, we're not overly sweet and sappy. We have death. What was the one with, oh God, I'm blanking on her name too. The one that was supposed to be Mary Jane and uh, the amazing Spider-Man. Probably should have written up some notes ahead of time for this instead of doing this sort of on the fly, right? The one where A Fault in the Stars, I think that's what it's called. That one, I already know the ending of that one. I mean, people spoiled that. And that seemed like it was just sort of like, let's make everybody cry and then they'll leave and say that they loved it because it could appeal to emotions in general more so than actually being a good movie that got you to feel something a little bit more transcendent. This was just sort of like, let's poke you and get you to cry. And if it gets an emotional reaction out of you, then you're going to think it's a good movie. That's not the good way to go about that. Now, I haven't seen it, so I don't know for sure. But all those like Dear John and fucking, I don't even remember what the last one was called. They all seem like they're just as lame. Having seen The Notebook, I know I'm never going to watch another one of these again. All these Nicholas Sparks movies, even if it looked like it would be a good movie, if I saw that it was a Nicholas Sparks thing, probably wouldn't go ahead and check it out. I have also not seen Fifty Shades of Grey. Fifty Shades Darker is out in movie theaters right now, and from what I hear, it's just as bad, if not worse, than the first one. I have no interest whatsoever in seeing that. If I wanted to see porn, I would check out porn, because porn is better, I'm sure. And if I wanted to live out the fantasies of somebody who was in some kind of a weird fetish, I'd probably want to get my head checked out, too. Uh, From what I've been told, it seems like this is a bored housewife that wanted to write fan fiction Twilight porn and turned it into this sort of risque, uh, you know, it's it's fun to imagine gorgeous billionaire, uh, you know, tall, dark, handsome type of people that'll end up just doting upon the average chick. Which, if you want to talk about fantasy escapism, there you go, right there. But it also seems like it's not even good material to back up that kind of a premise. So if you're going to hit me with that premise, I'm already not interested. And if you're going to also follow it up with shitty writing and shitty film quality, nah. I don't know a single person that says that these movies are good. 
And I know people that actually like the books even. And if you like the book and you don't like the movie for something like this, as opposed to something like The Godfather or, uh, you know, A Tale of Two Cities or something like that, the typical, oh, the book was better. I would imagine the book probably sucks too. Dirty Dancing is a movie that I would say steer clear of. And I know I'm really pissing off some people by saying that, but I do not see the value in Dirty Dancing. I think that it's a creepy movie. He's, what, like 40 and she's like 12, it seems? That is weird. Now, she's probably 18 and he's probably like 29, 30 or something like that, but it didn't come off like that to me. And it was just a strange movie. And I know some of the songs are catchy, but hell, it's not worth it. Just download the soundtrack. It's so much better. You know, you've got at least, what, two or three scenes that everybody remembers. The whole nobody puts baby in the corner and the log scene and when he picks her up at the end. You know, I've had the time of my life and all that other kind of stuff. That in itself as a meme is better than the movie. Skip the movie, watch the memes, listen to the soundtrack, and you're done. I would rule out generic romantic comedies for anybody that likes the movies that I recommended because damn near every single one of them is awful, whether it's something like Good Luck Chuck or anything with Katherine Heigl or Gerard Butler. You got something like Sweet Home Alabama. Blech. Definitely maybe. How about Absolutely Not? That movie, I am so mad I paid to see. I thought it would be another one kind of like The Time Traveler's Wife. And it just sucked. I did not like that at all. That was so disappointing. I personally don't like There's Something About Mary. I know that that's considered blasphemy to some, but hey, to each his own, it's not my thing. I thought it was kind of the cross of bad generic romantic comedy material as well as bad comedy material. Like, he gets his uh, balls caught up in a zipper. I'm supposed to laugh a whole lot at that. I didn't really find slapstick stuff all that funny. If you do, you probably really, really love that movie. And then I would definitely recommend it for you because that movie has been dubbed a classic by so many people. We all know the hair gel scene, which isn't hair gel. And I admit, there's a funny element to that. But a good, good portion of this movie, I just didn't like all that much. And I also don't really like Bridget Jones's Diary. I didn't see the other two because I just didn't like the first one. I've never seen Jerry Maguire, so I can't really attest to that. And there's, I'm sure, a long, long list of movies from older, you know, times. Like, I actually have never seen Gone with the Wind or Casablanca. And they are classic romance films that maybe, if I watched, I would not appreciate. And that's one of the reasons why I haven't seen it. Maybe I would love it. I don't know. But that kind of wraps up my idea of what it means for a good movie to watch from Valentine's Day. I would recommend if you're there with your girlfriend, your boyfriend, whatever the case may be, and you want to watch something that's a little bit more on the off the beaten path, maybe instead of watching Legally Blonde, maybe you watch something like City of Angels. Instead of watching your favorite um, what the Runaway Bride or... Uh, what the hell was that other one? My best friend's wedding. Take that off, put in 500 days of summer. It's not going to be the happy, super duper schmaltzy type of a thing, 
but sometimes it's good to change up the pace a little bit like that. And if you're a little bit more on the bittersweet side, maybe you are looking for love and you haven't found it yet or whatever, but you don't want to just be hit with that Hallmark type of stuff, pop in a movie like The Time Traveler's Wife, pop in Love Actually, Eternal Sunshine, any of those movies that I mentioned before, they're going to give you a different perspective at the very least. And I think that sometimes that in itself is more important than even if the movie was fantastic. I want to know what you guys have to say, though. Tell me in the comments below on YouTube, or if you're listening to this or on iTunes or Stitcher, drop it in the website's comments. What are your favorite romance films? What movies do you want to watch when it comes to Valentine's Day, or maybe when it comes to your anniversary, or even, you know, Christmas or whatever? Or if you're just sort of one of those people that's like, I'm going to pop in a romance no matter what, if that's your type of genre, what do you love? What do you not love? What are the movies that I've seen that I've listed here are you a fan of? What do you hate? What do you love about it? What do you hate about it? Any topics like that you got in mind, drop your comments below and let me know. Whether you agree or disagree, I'd love to hear hear the other sides of the conversation and just kind of keep the conversation going a little bit. And if you really enjoyed this type of a video, hit that thumbs up button. Tell me your ideas of what you would like to see in the movie reel rundown in the future. If you'd like to see more ranking lists or you want to see more recommendation lists like this, all those opinions, I'll weigh in, and I'll try to factor them into the future for any other additions that I do, uh, you know, the next couple of months or so, if I end up doing any. And uh, I want to thank you all for listening. If you want to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, that would be fantastic. If you want to subscribe to the YouTube channel, if you haven't already, I would greatly appreciate that as well. And obviously, if you keep checking fanboysanonymous.com for everything else that's coming your way, then you'll see posts about a wide variety of different topics, mostly on the superhero genre and comic book geek kind of things like that. The nerd spectrum is our main target for Fanboys Anonymous, but every once in a while, I like to just dive a little bit more into different sides of films. So I appreciate you indulging me if you are not into the romance genre and you listen to a full hour of me rambling on about this kind of stuff. But we have other stuff coming your way that's more back on the same track that we're used to coming up over the next couple of weeks or so. Logan is coming up. We're going to do some reviews about that. And if you want to see some different material like this in the future, let me know that as well. But that'll do me in for this episode. It's time for me to geek out. Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. Give your significant other a big old smooch on my behalf. And I will see you next time. Adios.